0: Hi, I'm James Brooks, and welcome to From the Factory Floor, a conversational podcast about all things startup and tech, brought to you by the folks at thestartupfactory.tech. And welcome back to another episode of From the Factory Floor. As ever, I'm your host. Well, I say as ever, I've uh, missed a couple of weeks. So uh, I'm James, your host, and joined, I think, is my, I think,
1: Co- can we say Co- I think I think
0: official co-host these days.
1: Can
0: I have a days. promotion? I think yeah, you think you can, Nairi. And uh, today we're very kindly joined by Emma. Hi, Emma. Hello.
2: Hello. How Hi. are you? I'm good, thanks. And you? You
1: people? Yeah,
0: you <laughs> good. Yeah, for for once the sun's shining in Manchester, so uh, I don't think we can complain too much.
1: That could all change very quickly. Yeah.
0: Not far too quickly. Um, so obviously today uh, we really want to talk talk to you, Emma, about sort of your journey what it is you're doing and a little about your startup in-house health. So I guess it works to start for 10. So what is in-house health? How how did you come up with the idea, Emma?
2: So if I was to do my uh, lovely elevator pitch, <laughs> yes. uh, so uh, in-house health, so we implement data informed workplace health and well-being solutions. And we predominantly work with digital tech companies, enabling them to make a measurable impact on their, people performance and profits so in english what that means is uh, we help uh, digital tech businesses get to the root cause of issues when it comes to well-being rather than a lot of the fluffy shite that they tend to be doing <laughs>
1: i'm glad you i'm glad you dropped the first swear words in the podcast. yeah well you know uh, oh.
2: although i love uh, a adopted Mancunian. Uh, you can't take uh, you can take the girl out of Glasgow, but you can't take Glasgow out of the, out of the girl, sadly. But yeah, so um, in house health kind of came about. So I'm a nurse by trade. I've been a nurse for 21 years this year, and most of my nursing career was spent in general practice. I um, was responsible for running chronic disease management c- clinics, public health promotion, and public health screening. And I just got I suppose you could say I was burnt out but not in the traditional sense I was burnt out emotionally there was a huge disconnect of why I wanted to be a nurse and the outcomes that I could achieve for my patients and what was happening in reality I was seeing people when it was far too late so I was seeing patients when they'd already had a heart attack a stroke mental health breakdown cancer diagnosis printing them off a 10 year old diet sheet and saying oh I'm I'm sorry Dave that this is you know this crisis has happened. Off you go and now change your change your life. So it was that kind of reactive thing. So, in two thousand and sixteen, I made the decision to to leave the NHS. Too much red tape and bureaucracy. And I've done various other things. But then in 2018, 2019, I started to look at corporate well being. Um, I do have some occupational health experience. It's uh, slightly different from the 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 world of uh, workplace. At well-being and what I found was that same stick and plaster approach so um being initiatives that are reactive they're fluffy uh, and they're not measured in any way by the businesses that are investing money in them they're having no long-term impact on health and certainly no financial benefit to the business and I was like I know I can uh, solve all those problems um, with no kind of corporate or commercial experience myself kind of finding my feet in in this this new world outside the NHS and then COVID happened and I was like oh shit like what can I do now and then you know we we all remember those you know daily press conferences and health data then was shaping up you know how we could live our lives whether we could leave our front door whether we could see our friends and family whether we could go to the the gym or exercise work from home go back into the office it really impacted our lives and then when I looked at that you know the workplace wellbeing piece. It was the same. Like businesses use data for all areas of their business, but when it comes to that health and wellbeing, the people piece, it's the piece that's missing, and it really needs to be focused as a strategic arm of business. And that's kind of how in in-house health has evolved into, you know, a, a well tech startup, whatever label you want want to give it. But that's kind of kind of what we what we are now in using that data. Uh, information to get to the root cause of problems and help business leaders to not just help their people but to improve their ability to innovate and grow and ultimately their bottom line profits
0: it's amazing i think each year you see stats come out of how many you know billions are lost by you know people being ill or you know workplace anxiety so having something like this with someone like yourself with your background obviously it Makes complete sense why it's, you know, using this data based approach is a really good thing to have for your, you know, for your clients to actually try and understand why this is going on. So it's a, it's a really good idea and I'm really happy that exists.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in terms of um, who's your ideal client, Emma, because obviously, like, I suppose when you started out, start, you probably could have gone for any big organization where there's a large employer base, but I think you've probably narrowed it down a little bit. So could you tell us a bit more about who your ideal client is and from a founder point of view, how you arrived at that decision as well?
2: Yeah, so um, our ideal clients are digital tech organisations and my hypothesis at the minute is that it is an SME product. Uh, When you start looking at enterprise businesses, they have their own learning and development teams, their own kind of structures around wellbeing. They've got the resources and knowledge base to be able to do that um, however I um, have just signed up a large client a department within a, a large organization and I've got a proposal out with with another one so that m- hypotheses might be proved wrong in terms of being able to collect the data um, but the reason I um, kind of arrived at the digital tech sector was um, an early pilot pilot program which led me into a marketing agency. And this agency is what I would class as a a good business in terms of looking after after their their people, and uh, it amazed me first of all. So I've you know gone into this uh, shiny building and you know rooftop uh, terrace and beer in the fridge and lovely breakout rooms and you know I'm used to my sink hanging off the wall and the curtains falling yeah. down in my like crummy little NHS uh, office <laughs> uh, cl- <laughs> uh, clinical room and I was like wow this is amazing like look at this what an environment to 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 work in and then I started seeing employee after employee so we collect our health data through face-to-face employee health checks Um, first of all it's a, a benefit in itself that each individual has the uh, space and time to speak to a clinical professional and um, but also it's the best way to get accurate data from people uh, you know if you put garbage in you get garbage out when it comes to data so you know surveys are at good touch points in between but actually we collect uh, accurate data from ind- individuals so we're seeing these people come through their health checks and there was a huge disconnect between <laughs> what was um what this environment was showing me and what I kind of my perceptions of the the tech sector and what actually people were divulging around work-related stress and, and ill health and then I done more research and and then I found that actually the dark sector is not a pretty place to work it has a, a real dark side Um. so I thought well what what a great uh, kind of sector to get involved with and, and focus On there, you know, if we if we look at the wider economy and the, you know, the innovation strategy that's in place from the government and things, if we want to be the leader for emerging technologies and to continue um, on that trajectory, how how can that be possible if we don't look after the people that are in that industry? You know, stress hijacks the brain. If we want people to be creative and innovative, then they need to be. Well and healthy and engaged enough to be able to come up with all these really good ideas, um, at a, you know, a, a micro level for their business, but you know, uh, a much wider level for the UK economy as as a
1: whole. It reminds me a bit. It's a bit um, Emperor's New Clothes, isn't it? These organisations that have this shiny, like you say, amazing office and they offer all these like amazing perks, and then you often can scratch onto the surface. And you know, they're really, really difficult um, damaging places to work. And it's around, it seems like very much your approach is around getting the basics right, um, yeah. which is great. What are so obviously, like you can identify some of the trends there, burnout um, organizations, etc. What's the next step in terms of working with in house? How, how would you then work with the organization to tackle that?
2: Um, so, we have developed um, three uh, products. So um b- before that we have a free wellbeing um meta action plan so anyone can go onto it uh, shameless plug inhousehealth.co.uk uh, and find the wellbeing map so that's a free tool that you can embed into your organisation to have open uh, wellbeing conversations and one to one performance reviews for example between team leads and, and the people that they manage but um, when it comes to the first kind of product that we've developed, it's the Meta Wellbeing Audit. So um, you've noticed, might have noticed that I've said Meta a few things. So um, Meta, uh, thanks to Zuckerberg for ruining it, but it is trademark. <laughs> um, so Meta is the framework that I developed. So um, around everything we do, which is measure, evaluate, transform, and analyze, it's the four-step process that we we base everything on. And um, so the Meta Wellbeing Audit is really the first thing that businesses should be doing when when we work with them um, and it is basically benchmarking and assessing the operational frameworks around health and well-being so what I see uh, in the well-being sector is most well-being is focused on individuals uh, on employees as if they're the problem but when we're talking about work-related ill health the problem is the organization the problem is the the barriers to effective um, effectively embedding good health and wellbeing in that culture, which then comes down to the leadership team. So that's why the audit was developed. It's looking at kind of those frameworks that are in place for business around strategy, around policy, around their culture, And also most businesses say, hey, well, we do well-being. Why why do we need your stuff? Okay, that's great. But how are you planning, implementing? And most importantly, what results are you getting from your current well-being? Most businesses don't know because they're not measuring it. But taking that a step further, we're not just looking at the health of the people. We're looking at the health of the business. So can you take um, what you're doing from a, a well-being point of view and directly link it to your business outcomes how is that impacting your project delivery time? How's that impacting your client retention rates? How's that impacting on your sales team and, and your marketing and at the end of the day your bottom line profits? And most people don't directly link one with the other. and I think that's the piece that's that's missing around a, a well-being. It's giving businesses the tangible um, results so that they can they have that demonstrable evidence that they can see that it is impacting it's been too really too fluffy for for too long and it's just seen as this little nice to have but actually not not only has kind of well-being evolved the next generations that we're seeing coming through the workforce they've evolved as well and they are choosing employers that genuinely want to look after them and, and care for them and um, so when we talk go back to tech and uh getting tech talent um you know To well being has to be part of your strategy and looking after people properly if you want to not just attract talent but actually keep them in your business as well.
0: And we all know, sort of, with technology at the moment and building tech teams, how hard it is to acquire people. So, the more you have to then actually acquire more people to replace those that are leaving, looking after the people that are there is so important. So, what are some of the, are there any like sort of typical things you've seen with tech teams that are the common trends that are? you know leading to this sort of mismatch in their well-being you know where they're starting to look at other businesses to move to
2: so if, if i just uh data is my thing so it wouldn't be right if i didn't give you some statistics <laughs> around around what what's happening so um if you work in tech in the uk you're five times more likely to be depressed than the national average at uh, very very frightening stat that 48 percent of the The tech workforce is at very high risk of burnout, um, and that's even higher in underrepresented um, populations, so uh, women and people from diverse backgrounds. Um, I think there was another stat, like 28% of the, the tech workforce have been formally diagnosed with a mental ill health condition caused by stress at work. So not just from external factors, but due, due to work. So, you know, if we just look at those um, statistics, you can already see how that would impact businesses. Um, but I suppose if you're looking at behaviours, um, then you are looking at people that are dis- disengaged um, from teams. They might have dropped out of uh, socials um, and, and things like that. Their work might become sloppy and um, they might might not be um, delivering high quality and um, work that they, they were in the past and um, and I think when I go back to kind of what current initiatives how they address well-being like the yoga and the, the fruit and the bean bags and the, the slides that these uh, shiny tech businesses uh, put in place fundamentally where the problems start from is is workload so when we look at startups and and scaling Uh, businesses what tends to happen is you know first of all culture is you know a group of 10 people and some guys like a really innovative good uh developer and then he gets his mates in and everyone looks the same and and thinks the same and then you know they get investment in and they, they start growing um but then they've got a really small team doing a high volume of work and what happens is people leave it too long before they hire people into the business so people have a a very very high workload for a too too long period of time don't get me wrong like stress a little bit of stress is good we all need stress to to keep that high performance um but we're not designed to maintain that for long periods of time and that's kind of when the cracks Mm. um start appearing but then also making sure that people in your business have the right skills and, and knowledge to do their job what you're asking for them to do when you are a smallish team you're kind of like oh can you just do this can you just do that when people are kind of winging it and making it up as they go along again that's okay but when it's all the time as humans we are not designed for that that type of type of pressure so all the problems i see are the business problems so workload um not having the right skills to do your job relationships is really important Um, control so do people have autonomy to do what they are there's lots of micromanagement that goes on and then uh communication that that really falls around and i think when businesses get those things right everything else kind of takes up you know looks after itself but that's kind of the bit that's missing yeah. So businesses are like, yay, like we'll get, you know, this guru in and, and this will solve all our problems. No, it's not. As a as a board, as a leadership team, you have to do the hard work here to improve those frameworks around good work and, and what good work looks like for your people.
0: So can you tell us anything about like a real success story for yourself and sort of how business has gone from, you know, a team where potentially have got issues through to Yeah, well-being is improved and how that's then affected the business going forward?
2: Yeah, so um, obviously we're an early stage company and it takes, you know, this is the thing that actually well-being, good well-being is not a quick fix. It's not a tick box exercise. So we are looking at long term, like small incremental improvements over the the long term. But already, so some companies that have been early adopters through uh, uh, the next, next product is our leadership, Um, programme, a three-month programme for leaders, and then we've got a 12-month programme for employees. So our reports will show an organisation like 10% of your workforce have got high blood pressure, 40% have got severe anxiety, 20% have got increased alcohol dependence. These are the risks, these are the recommendations, and then we provide training and education in those key problem areas for that business or a department within a business so that it's bespoke to the needs of that workforce rather than something that's off the shelf for any random uh, business or, or group of people. So already with that kind of, first of all, from the health checks, um, like, so for example, in one of the health checks, I found um, this um, guy that had dangerously high blood pressure, um, like, I was mm-hmm. like, if if, like if you were in my clinic right now, um, I would be medicating you, um, wow. so it, it's like it's it's quite bad. Um, I'm not suggesting that you go to any, but you need to go and see your GP. So he he went to his GP and um, he got in touch with me like about six weeks later and had said that um, off the back of that, his um GP had sent him for further investigations and he already had heart damage from uh, high blood pressure which he had like high blood pressure is like known as a silent killer because there's like five million people walking around with high blood pressure not realizing that it is impacting on their long-term health so if he hadn't have gone to his gp at that point in time and had um medical intervention within the next six months there is no doubt about it he would have had a heart attack or a stroke so like uh-huh. not so not only has that um drastically reduced his risk and improved his outcomes he's not having any time off work you know some mm. someone has a heart attack these days um like you know the, most people don't die you know it used to be I think it used to be like for every ten people that had a heart attack um six would die and, and four would live but now the outcomes are much better so it's something like three will die and seven will live so when that is someone in your organization, they will be coming back to work, but how long is their recovery going to take? Mm-hmm. As an employer, that is costing you money. That is putting workload onto other people in the team. You might have to get you know, some freelancers in. So financially, the, the, the money saving on that one person from preventing that crisis from happening is, is a benefit in itself. So that's just like a short-term thing that we've seen. The long-term data is not there yet. But I imagine the prevention piece is going to be huge and that's kind of why I developed in-house health.
1: Even without the looking at the stats and thinking about it commercially, it just feels like the right thing to do, doesn't it, for organisations to, if they've got the opportunity to put that mechanism in place, to catch and genuinely look after their employees, why wouldn't you do that? Like, you know, if you're going to go to the effort of, you know, painting the walls are mad colour and like say the cost of sticking a slide into an office, why wouldn't you then go to, um, the effort of having somebody in the business that, you know, generally is looking at in a safe environment, people's, um, health metrics. Just finally, Emma, obviously like you're really, really knowledgeable and clued up and wise around boundaries and burnout. And then you're, a uh, uh, a non tech founder developing a tech product and I think probably go to more um events and um, you know things like that and they you know more ingrained into the kind of Manchester ecosystem than probably anybody else I know. Even
0: more than like
1: Alexa. <laughs> Even more than like to... I do see him around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's
0: to 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 out of uh,
1: yeah all egos. but I just wondered like how do you manage the boundaries and, and your founder journey and being very aware of burnout because it is difficult being a founder solo founder and non-tech i just wondered if you could give us a bit of an update on how you found that really
2: well i'm not going to lie it's a challenge um you know and i would be i would be wrong to to say that you know well you know i try and practice what i preach but it's difficult and actually that's something that I'm not doing with businesses like you know I'm not going into a business and and I'm not saying to a business that you know all your staff need to be working four hours a day three days a week like this is terrible for them like I'm a realist and uh being a founder you have to be real and it requires a lot of um resilience to to keep going and the time pressures, you know, I've got two teenage um, daughters as well. So, you know, being a mum and, you know, I've got my own health uh, conditions and, you know, so all those things play their part. So for me, I don't and even like with general wellbeing, like wellbeing is not something that you do. It's an outcome of what you do. So for me, there's no one size fits all. And understanding what works well for you as a founder and um, or as a business leader or as an individual is really important and being able to listen it's something we forgot is like listening to our own bodies and, and what it's telling us you know if you're getting a, if you're getting headaches if you're getting back aches you know do some do something about it um you know and it's something simple as drinking more water or readjusting your chair when you when you get you know every time you sit sitting back at your desk but in terms of time i mean i think it's just being kind to yourself and not having any guilt that when you do switch like you never fully switch off when it's your own business you never switch off your brain is always going like at christmas i was like right i'm taking i'm taking a full week off work i'm not doing anything and so finished um like uh christmas eve and it got to boxing day and i was like sat at the dining table and put my laptop on and my husband was like what are you doing and I was like I'm bored <laughs> like you know I've watched Die Hard and Home Alone and all these things like I've and played games and whatever but I was my my mind was like you like just doesn't let me sw- switch off um so it, I think it's like in those moments it's kind of going back to the old fashioned like pen and paper and just writing things down and go, going back to it so I think in terms of boundaries I don't think there are specific boundaries that is really just about understanding kind of how your work is impacting you as an individual and doing what you can do to minimise that negative effect. And it goes back to three main things. So um, exercise, new, good nutrition and good sleep. And, and those three things are the foundation of all good health and wellbeing being but they, they're the first things that go out the window you're busy so you eat loads of crap and, and junk food you know you go networking for your tea and it's pizza yeah. you know, it's, it's so high you know please eat the veggie supreme it's got two of your five a day on it you know it's it's <laughs> like that's like the extremes of, of of what you go into you know you're working long hours you're a, you know asleep at night i could you know do a whole podcast on things that you can actually do and implement but at the end of the day it's what suits an individual don't feel guilty about taking some time away, um, and make sure that you're looking after yourself as, as well as you can. Barb.
0: I think that it's great advice, and I think like I say there's those three basic things. Whether you know, you, like say you can do a podcast on each one of them. To be honest, I think people have. Well, no, obviously we I think yeah. we're just about running out of time today. So, um, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, I know you did a little shameless plug earlier. I'll give you the chance to do another one. What's the best way for businesses to get in uh, touch with you?
2: Um, I suppose um, I'm always uh, hanging around on, on LinkedIn, so you can, you can find me there. I think my, um, it's in-house health one, I think, is my uh, profile thing. But Emma-Louise Bazaar, you can find me there. Um, or you can check out inhousehealth.co.uk. Or you can drop me an email, emma at inhousehealth.co.uk, if you just want to have a chat
1: and see how I can best support you and your business brilliant thank well, you so much emma it was really really interesting i think it's a real it's a new way of looking at um founder well uh, tech team wellness isn't it and yeah not something we've talked about before mm-hmm. so i really appreciate you coming on thank you i yeah. will
0: well, put all those links below for anyone listening but no thank you very much for your time emma i'm sure we'll have you on again in the future and you can uh Sounds a bit more about some of the long-term effects once you've got the data yeah. for that as well. we
1: we'll make That's sure we get some
0: veggie pizzas at our next. <laughs> veggie veggie pizzas
2: everywhere, <laughs> No, just get vegetables. Never mind the pizza. i with I do
1: try. I do try with them. I know. Yeah, well, uh, th- th- yeah. Thanks for having me. It's uh, uh, been thanks nice. Much, be thanks thank so you
0: very much, Emma. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, James. Cheers, and uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. I think that just about wraps things up here. If you have any thoughts or questions yeah. on anything we have said today, Get in touch, whether that be through our Twitter at RealTSF or email at hello at startupfactory.tech or feel free to drop in for a coffee and a chat. As ever, thanks for listening.